Welcome to Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. This episode is brought to you by Set GK Goalkeeper Gloves. Gloves by the pros, for the pros. With five different models to choose from, they guarantee you'll find the feel and fit you're looking for. Use promo code JUSTFORKEEPS at checkout and receive 25% off your order. Set GK. It all starts with your set. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Just For Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I'm your host Carter Hawkman, and joining me this week is former College of the Sequoias goalkeeper and their current goalkeeper coach, Miguel Martinez. Thanks for, com- thanks for uh, taking the time, Miguel. Yeah, Carter, thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So before we get into it, I'll kick us off with my first question I ask everyone, which is when did you know that you wanted to become a goalkeeper? What drew you to the position? So I tell us to every single one of the goalkeepers I get to train, the, we don't get to choose why we want to be a goalkeeper. Like the position chooses us. So at a very early age, I was in the AYSO stages. Uh, we had no goalie. And I think just randomly the coach selected me and he's like, hey, you're going in goal. And I was like, oh, well, okay, I have no gloves, but you know, let's, all right. And then, you know, it just started from there. You know, growing up in Solaria, California, what were, you know, what were the big soccer influences there? So actually, ironically, we don't have too much. Um, I really looked up to Keylor Navas and Nick Romando, very similar stature to myself. Um, so really... We had a couple of PDL amateur franchises, the Fresno Fuego that were around, but for the most part, I looked apart, or I looked look in other uh, leagues. For example, with Navas, so I looked in, into Spain. Obviously, we had a huge career with Madrid and now with PSG. Um, and Nick Romando, I mean, a lot of kids here as well. Um, I don't know what the thing is with goalkeepers here, but we don't, uh, we're not breeding to be. But for we're about five. And so we got to be like, Nick Rimondo, like, Nick Rimondo. Was, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm missing another few goalkeepers, but those were the soccer that were, um, you know, effective influencing our area in the Central Valley. You know, especially with, with guys like Nick Rimondo being from that area. And, you know, what about their style of play? What, what, what about Nick Rimondo's style of play? What about Kaylor Navas' style of play attracted you the most? So they were very, very agile and their reactions were, how many times did we see Nick Romano just turn on a cutback and then boom, his strong hand pops out and Keller Nava just springs out in 1v1 and he's making that really big save and really just a cool reflex save where everybody goes, oh my gosh, like that would have been a good shot, but the goalkeeper saved it. He had really fast reactions. So that really drew me in. Um, and I think I try to copy that style of play, the being a quick to react to make a save. Obviously being in position and all those tactical, technical parts of goalkeeping, but um, being reactive and also playing with the feet. I think Nick Romano was just amazing at hitting, hitting dimes. I, I watched his warm-up one time, and it was a lot of distribution. So um, I tried to copy that as much as I could. I want to be good with distribution because, obviously, Nick Romano's at the top flight in MLS, you know, pinging balls here and making these kind of saves. And I want to be like that because, obviously, I aspire to be at those levels, um, and I'm going to work my way through that. It's so interesting you, you mentioned Romando's distribution because he was really doing that that side volley. Like, you know, people when people think of distribution and goalkeepers, they, they'll first they'll point to Manuel Neuer. 
but especially here in the States, like Nick Romano was really doing that side volley and just pinging out his, his wingers before anybody else was really doing it. Oh, hundred percent. And the funny thing about that is um, there's always this saying, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure this is universal, but it's like, Oh, well, goalkeepers just stand there. You hear that from parents, from people who don't really know the position. Like, Oh, you just stand there. Yeah. It's so easy to be a goalkeeper. Well, I mean, we're the 11th man on the field. We got to be good with our hands and our feet. And so you see pinging balls like in a warm up or in a game live or on TV, you go, that's sick. Like, you know, that symmetrical distribution. I think Connor Keith mentioned that, mentioned that one time in his podcast. Maybe it was his vlog, whatever. But, you know, when you clean distribution from a goalkeeper, I think it turns some heads for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll get back to Nick Romano, you know, specifically in a second. But, you know, you, you touched on it, especially with, you know, I, I remember back when I was, you know, in the early days of my high school career, I've mentioned it in past episodes where, you know, we started out just needing to be an athlete that could stop shots, but now we're essentially, we have to be midfielders that have gloves on, you know what I mean? No, hundred percent. And, and one of the things, you know, back to Nick Romano, one of the things that makes him and other goalkeepers that are his size, you know, breaking that stereotype and the stigma that goalkeepers need to be tall. One of the things he does so well is not only is his decision-making and, you know, his lack of hesitation, immaculate his full commitment to making a save is above few is, is above most i should say is above most goalkeepers who have that six three six four plus advantage 100 percent. and it's funny you mentioned commit to the save because yesterday i had a session with um two younger goalkeepers one was a male one was a female and it was one of those situations where they're gonna die for it they're about to put their hand out but they don't think they're gonna get it so they pull their hand back in and they just fall on their knees I go, hold on, hold on, hold on. Commit to the save. Commit to the save. What does it feel like? What does it look like? And go, oh, if I put both hands out and I stretch them out all the way and I push off my foot, my power step, whatever you want to call it, I, that's how I could probably commit. I'm like, yes. Watch, you know, Nick Mondo, watch the killer Navas, any goalkeeper. Obviously, be aware of your goal. You know, be aware of the frame. If it's going to go out, like, you know for sure it's going to go out, probably should have touched it to give a, a corner kick. But the commitment to the save, especially at a smaller stature, is huge. Like you, you gotta have the self belief in yourself to have that mentality and just go in all the way and say, "I'm gonna make the save." And next thing you know, you're full stretch. It's the fingertip, and you hear the, you hear the the ding off the finger into the post. Everybody goes, "Oh my god!" Like, "Oh, what a save!" So commitment to the save is just huge. I think for any goalkeeper, just to have that belief and confidence going into the save. At what age did you start first uh, training with a goalkeeper coach? Man, so we had this. It's about there's probably about one or two goalkeeper coaches or slash trainers in the area. I started when I was oh man, 14. Um, funny story about my first goalkeeper coach. So I started at 14, he was a local college kid coaching club, so he had offered private training. Um, I was 14, he was about mm, 18, 19, you know, in college. Um, I started working with him about I'm 21 now, so this is a little more than five years ago. Um, traveled with him for about a couple months. Um, he ended up leaving. He got a job in San Diego. Um, went to coach in Germany and New Zealand and then came back. This was, again, he, he's gone for about four or five years. He comes back, and now I'm full-on coach. And then we start coaching together. And it's just um, having that connection with that first goalkeeper. He was Froelen Onofre. Um, I'm not sure many people will know him, but 
um, huge influence on me as a player and as a coach. Uh, once he came back to the States, we started just chatting up, met at Denny's, you know, just connectable coaches. You know, we've seen both sides of the game. And he's like, yeah, I remember you when, you, when we first started to work. And I'm like, your hands were terrible. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they, they were pretty bad. Um, he was my first goalkeeper coach, Froelen and Ofre. Um, and after that, after he left, I was about, I think, a senior in high school. And then after that, just kind of on my own. There wasn't that much around. Um, soccer in the Central Valley isn't really big. Like I said, we had a couple of amateur franchises that played in the PDL. Um, but... I mean, it's kind of like a desert when it comes to goalkeeper coaches. You kind of do what you can on your own. I mean, now there's – you got Project K Academy. You got these crazy Instagram pages where, you know, there's so much coaching and goalkeeper education on there. That wasn't when I was 15. So I couldn't just look around on Instagram and YouTube and find all this information and education. Um, so I kind of coached myself when I was, you know, 15 through 18. Um and that was my goalkeeper coach, YouTube, a uh, little bit of social media, that one coach I had in the beginning. You know, that was about all we had. I can even kind of attest to that here on the East Coast, you know, even where there, where there was already an abundance of coaches available and soccer is a huge and has always been a huge cultural a part of the culture over here. The availability and access to coaching has absolutely exploded. Oh, 100%. There's so I mean, so, so I mean, talk to me about your your high school playing experience because it's definitely a key moment in any or or every goalkeeper's every young goalkeeper's career. You know, do they start on varsity right away? What about JV? What about the freshman team? Because a big misconception for a lot of kids these days, especially, is if you don't start on varsity or, or something right away, you won't be able to play at the next level, which just isn't true. Yeah, definitely not true. I didn't play like as a true starter. My in high school until I was, um, sorry, I reworded that totally wrong. I didn't really see varsity until I was about a junior in high school. Um, started off as a freshman on JV. It wasn't much club around, so all I had was really high school and I guess some Sunday league-ish um, playing experiences once high school season was done because over here in California it goes to about um, October up until maybe early February. So after that year, you know, you play wherever you can. Um, for, for me in high school, freshman year up to senior year, um, we had a really good coach. He was really good at managing. But, I mean, as a head coach, you can't just see the goalkeeper. You have to oversee 20 high school kids, which is can be a mess sometimes. But, like I said, I, me and the other goalkeeper, we kind of just went up to the side because the coach was trying to do some possessional work with the field players. He's like, hey, just go to the side. We'll go to the side. And whatever I can remember from YouTube or from uh, Project K Academy, like, hey, this is going to be our warm up because we don't have a coach. Um, and we did when we did have one of the assistants working with us. It was more like, hey, stand there and we'll shoot a ball at you, and just make sure you, you know, you push it wide and make sure you hold it, um, but nothing really specific, you know. So that was that was high school right there. Yeah, I think even through college, I mean. Having your your head coach or your assistant coach who aren't goalkeeper coaches try and work with you is always a funny moment because they, you know, they they know what it's supposed to look like. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying they have no idea what they're talking about, but they're when they try and like you should you need to be holding that. It's like, well, actually, actually, yeah, exactly right. But um, yeah, I I was fortunate to. I mean, by the time I got to my junior year in high school, like I said, I mean, we already had an abundance of coaches in the area. So I got to start to experience coaching 
that way. But, you know, anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that I started in high school on the freshman team for a year, which was great because I got to get accumulated to that sort of age group. And, you know, and, and then my sophomore year, I was starting on JV, which was also great because I was playing basically every game. And even by the time I got to my junior year, I wasn't even supposed to be the starter. So everyone, you know, especially in high school, everyone's journey is different as long as you're progressing is what's the most important part of that. 100%. So at what point did you make the decision that you were going to play at a junior college? So in a way, I know when people say it fell in my lap, it was more of like a positive um, way that something fell in their lap. But for me, junior college fell in my lap in a way um, that I didn't really want. I think there's that stigma as well with junior college. Like, oh, it's a step down. It's not a step down, but I had that mentality in high school because I thought I was a division two goalkeeper. I thought I was a division, like a high division three goalkeeper. Like I thought I was going to play at a four-year institution right away. And there's a lot of factors when you're in high school that you don't think about. You just want to play it, right? But junior college came to me. Um, there's a head coach. Well, he was a head coach at College of the, of the Sequoias, which is where I played. He, he coached for our women's program um, at the high school I was at. So he always saw me up front. Um, he, we would have conversations, and he opened up to me and said, do you want to come play at College of, of the Sequoias? I said, well, yeah, of course. Um, I'm going to keep that on my list. I'm trying to play at a four-year institution, but and obviously it didn't work out. Um, so I, eventually I said, yeah, I'm coming. This is affordable. I could play here. Um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be as far as the structure and the environment of college. Um, I mean, now it's completely different with the whole new staff and a whole new program and an athletic director that really likes the head of coach and his staff. Um, but when I was playing there, it felt nothing different from high school, um, I don't know how it is over in the East Coast, Carter, but, you know, it, that first couple of months of, like, preseason or trying out, it's like we're running, we're doing conditioning, um, and that was far from what we needed. We had very little game understanding because all we had was that high school experience, the high school way of coaching, which is let's hit the long ball, let's find the man up top, let's find that fast guy and just hit long balls to him, right? Um, so I went to the environment in junior college and it just um, – I wasn't progressing just because I, I was stubborn. I didn't have the coaches to um, lean on. I guess you could say we didn't have a goalkeeper coach as well. I mean, it was the same thing in high school where um, at junior college, they carried four goalkeepers and we all got to work on the side. I mean, given there's four goalkeepers, so we could do a little bit more, but I went back to the drawing board, what I could find on YouTube and, I guess come on make or make by myself um, and then run that session with the other three goalkeepers during the 20 minutes we had or whatever. Um, and that was our structure with, with training um, games. I did play a few games my freshman year and sophomore year. Um, but then after that, I said, okay, I need to figure it out. Am I going to try to play out after junior college? Am I going to hang up the boots? And, you know, I had a couple of opportunities to play at any IU schools, but I mean, $45,000 a year is kind of hard to, you know, pay for with, you know, everything. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm doing coaching already. I was coaching a couple of club teams when I was playing. Let me, let me give this a shot. I could stay in the game. I could still, you know, work on a career that I didn't think I was going to take at first. At first, I really wanted to do teaching. 
Um, so after community college, I said, you know what, I'm going to go to coaching. This is the career I want. So I'm going to take my shot. I'm going to try to progress as a coach. And and for those who don't know, you, you already kind of mentioned it. Junior college is a very legitimate and very real way to get to the next level. It doesn't mean you aren't good enough to play Division One, Two, or Three. It doesn't mean your career is over. It can actually often be a smarter way to develop your skills and progress more efficiently to the next level. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, just 45 minutes north of where I live, uh, Fresno City College, they fund the, the recipe. Um, very great coaches. I mean, huge support for the players. And they were just previously state championships, um, or sorry, state champions, um, I think against Cerritos College, another college out in California. Um, and players left and right will come out of that um, program and transfer on to Division One, Division Two schools. And, you know, they get another two years of their career, which is, which is great. You know, junior college, you're absolutely right. Junior college is a great platform if used correctly and to further your career, really. Absolutely. And it is something that you do need to take seriously if you want to develop to that next level. I had several, I had several teammates in college uh, where I played at UMass Lowell where they played their first two years or their first year at a, at, a, at a junior college just to maybe it was just they needed time to develop their skills. Maybe they needed time to adjust to that, that next level, that, that speed of play, the age group, the size. And it's or that, you know, that mental hurdle, because it is it is a jump all of a sudden when you're playing at a collegiate level, however high. Uh, you you are at doing that and and balancing a, a college workload yeah 100 percent. i think the, the main thing is self-awareness a lot of players i think think junior college is a drop down because they think they're better than the level but they don't understand what kind of competition they go against so they go against a competition and they don't do well and they go i thought i was this great player well again but you know self-awareness right if you were that good, you know, why are why are you not in a different environment? Why are you not in a different institution? So I mean, self awareness is huge when it comes to picking any program you might play with after high school, whether it's junior college, whether you're going straight into a four year institution, um, and that's what we preach for players all the time. You might not play after junior college, and that's okay. You know, what are you here to do, and are you doing it? It's true, and that that especially applies to goalkeepers as well. And it was it was something that I really didn't have going into college was was that keen self-awareness and I've told this story a thousand times and I'll tell it a thousand times again my first ever captain's practice before preseason even started I didn't make a single save not one and I was I got I got punched in the mouth I'm like all right you know I am maybe not as good as I thought I was um and it's time you know it's time to get to work but that's something that especially as like I said especially as a goalkeeper you can't you just can't go in with – there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. And if you're going in, it's a very fine line for sure. It's, in, it's extremely important to be confident as a goalkeeper in whatever decision that you're making. But if you're going into a decision with a cocky attitude, you're going to get scored on. Oh, yeah, 100%. Sometimes cockiness could work for you. Sometimes it could work against you, you know, <laughs> self-awareness. So, when you, I mean, when you were 19, you got to train with Fresno FC in the USL. Talk to me about that experience and, and what it taught you about the position. Um, for sure, Tommy was not ready. Um, how it came up, um, the goalkeeper coach, I was able to get a hold of him. I searched for his number and, just, you know, I was just trying to look for opportunities, especially when your local team, your local USL team is bringing in goalkeepers during preseason. 
Um, so I sent a text to the goalkeeper coach, and a month later, he responds to me and says, hey, Miguel, we need a fourth string for the day. We're going to play two small-sided games. Um, can you make it? And from the at the drop of a hat, I, I was there. Um, and walk into the locker room about an hour early um, before anybody. Um, and straight away, I mean, you could feel the energy of the players. You could tell they're there to do a job. Um, and I definitely was not ready for that. I kind of came in almost as a fanboy because I watched these guys play from the stands on TV and um, I idolized a little bit too much. Um, that's something I would, that's a message and a lesson I would learn, I would teach to or pass on to any other player. If you're going into that environment where you've seen these players on TV where you looked up to them because they were your idol growing up, you know, once you no longer fanboy to idol, you're there to do a job and maybe after say, hey, you know, um, you know, conversate with them because they're people. So when it came to the soccer side, I mean, I was making saves, I was doing great, but just the competitiveness, the mentality it took to be in such a cutthroat environment, I was definitely not ready for that. I mean, I was an anxious freak going into um, a game or, or practice. Um, and you could imagine going into a USL championship side that was, um, I think, top three in the, in the Western Conference, just below Phoenix Rising. Um, so I'm going in there, you know, freaking out like i'm gonna train with these guys this is great and i got into the fanboy mentality and it just it the environment ate me up that's so i can totally picture the emo and feel the emotion that you felt in that locker room where you're going in and you're just you're just in absolute awe of these players that you're a fan of and what's interesting is those players probably recognize that and sense the vulnerability 100 percent. and that's a situation especially especially as a goalkeeper you need to be i mean in the locker room you know be friendly but you that's when you start need to that's when you start you have to start excuse me preparing yourself mentally you have to turn on the stone face you can't you can't give an inch because they're going to take a mile especially in a position where they are looking at you saying all right this kid's new he's obviously nervous i can see that um, I'm going to take advantage of it. They're going to eat, they're going to eat you alive. And then afterwards they'll shake your hand and take pictures and whatnot. But going into the locker room, they're going to think their first instinct is going to be, I'm going to eat this kid alive. hundred percent. You could tell when somebody hasn't been there and somebody has been there. Um, so one thing I will take away from that experience is be myself, especially in the locker room. Um, just shaking everybody's hand and saying, hello, making eye contact, make sure your handshake is firm. If they talk to you, conversate. If don't, you know, just observe and, you know, be yourself, stay true to your nature. Don't try to um, do something to impress them because you're new and you want to make sure that they could trust you in the field. You know, what you do in the field doesn't lie. That's one thing I, I also learned from there. What you do in the field does not lie. If you go in there in the locker room, you do the right thing, and but in the field, they can tell you just not at the level. You don't have the ability. You've exposed yourself. Um, so going into the environment or, and any player that aspires to be in that professional environment, you have to understand we're coming back to self-awareness. You know, can you compete at that level? If you're a goalkeeper coming in as a four string, 
you know, are you respectful to the number one and two if they need extra volleys and you're there right, right next to them and they ask you, hey, can you give me just, you know, 10 volleys while we transi- transition to the next exercise or whatever it is, um, being that person that is reliable. And those are things I learned just very, very fast. I just was not prepared for it. Um, and like I said, it ate me up a lie, but I, I'm glad it happened because I, I learned so much just from that day. So what was the moment for you where you told yourself you knew you wanted to get into coaching? Oh, man. Um, coaching, again, it almost fell in my lap in a way. But, you know, just as a way just to, in high school or in college, just to make a little bit of extra money and stay involved in the game and during the offseason. Um, that's what it was at first. I, was, I loved it. and I loved inter- interacting with the players. Um, but I realized that coaching – was a career I wanted to do as soon as I took my new role at um, South Valley United. They are a local mid-tier club team. We compete in North Cal, which is, I think, um, like a mid-tier um, club level. Um, once I took that job, I was—I mean, it was just so fun. I was like, man, I could do this. I'm getting paid just to coach. I'm being paid to be around the game and give give back. Um, and then I took my new coaching job, and which was at College of Sequoias after I graduated. And I was just like, this is so cool. Um, even though you're gone 12 hours out of the day for an away game, this is great. Just being around the, the group of bo- the guys, the staff, having the whole day just to a game and dedicating just your job, your career to the game, it was great. It was actually during COVID. Um, we had that COVID season, I think a lot of people went through as well. Um, but that first year of um, my first college job, that's when I knew this is this is what I want to do. This is great. So what are what would you say are some of the bigger principles you teach the goalkeepers that you coach now? So bravery is huge for any goalkeeper. Bravery, your patience, and your mentality. I, I think mentality is also just a general term, but um, we could go with bravery and your patience first. Patience meaning like on the field patience. If you're not, if you think you're not going to get to a save, but then you go for it and things get mixed up. Hey, let's, okay, well, let's work the time. You must be patient. Um, even in a more holistic sense, you're trying to look for another opportunity. They're not working out. We'll be patient. Keep doing the right things. Keep looking for opportunities. Um, and things might work out. If they don't, keep going. Um, and then the bravery part. If you don't think, you're cut enough for the job to be a goalkeeper, then you probably shouldn't be a goalkeeper or let's work something out and, you know, let's make it work out that you could fit, fit your role as a goalkeeper. Um, so those two are huge, the bravery and patience part, because I think without that, it's hard to be a goalkeeper. You're falling on people when you're coming up for a cross, you're getting cleated when you're coming up for a cross, you're hitting the ground um, in 108 degree weather when the, grass isn't really grass it's dirt and you're coming up with bruises so it's not an easy job um i always make a little joke to like younger goalkeepers when i meet them at the club they're you know nine or ten i'm like are you sure you want to do this are, are you are you messing with the head um because it takes a lot of bravery to be a goalkeeper and they laugh but you know there's truth behind the joke and i'm as far as i'm concerned with the way i know myself about as a coach and the way I interact with um, the youth players or the college players. 
be patient, and as your role as a goalkeeper, be brave. So through your coaching experiences, what is something that you've learned about the position, and what's something that you wish a coach had told you or worked on you with as a younger goalkeeper? Uh, so I've been listening to my philosophy a lot. I think the most important thing I wish I would have had, not so much what I would have learned, but one thing I would have had is a coach who really cared. Um, somebody who was going to put their arm around me and say, Miguel, this is going like, you're not like, you know, just being honest, being firm with me and being genuine. I think that's one thing I never had as a player. So hindsight 2020, looking back, I make sure, well, not make sure as in a way of like, I'm going to put this personality about me that isn't really me, but making sure I am genuine with the players. I'm honest when I give my feedback and when they, and when they ask for feedback, making sure I take my time to, you know, if it's through a text, making sure instead of a text, I'll call them. Like, look, this is the conversation we need to have, so let's have it. And then on the field, you know, as silly as this sounds, making sure your sessions are planned out. Um, I, I could tell right away when, um, like, when I was a player and when the coach is walking around, like, looking for his cones, looking for his pulls when I'm already at the field and, like, okay, something wasn't planned out. Like, he's, he doesn't look very organized. Um, you know, for the player. I think that's huge. Your coaching behaviors can easily be sensed from a player, um, whether we think so or not. So now with the college goalkeepers or with the club goalkeepers, I always make sure I show up to the field earlier. Um, and they notice it. Like, they show up to the field, everything's set up, and they have nothing to do as far as, like, setting up-wise. I would try to do all that setting up and making sure the session is organized and is planned out. You know, what kind of coaching points am I going to make here? What is the goal for the session? Um, and making them back up their decisions. I never had that from a coach when I was a player. Um, a coach who challenged my thoughts, my decision-making, the way I perceived the game. And I think now that's huge. Obviously, you know, technique and your coordination is very important. But right now, I'm finding myself challenging the players to back up the decision and asking them, why did you make the decision? Why did you come up for this cross and not this one? You know, or if we're in preseason and we're towards the end, I give that feedback and say, look, this is what I've been seeing. Why have you changed this? This is the do and this is the don't. You know, why are you doing this? Why are you not doing that? Um, so I think having somebody who cares about you, you know, from coach to player, player to coach, is something I didn't have as a player. So I'm just trying to find ways to give that back to players, whether coaching at the college level or at the the club level. I'm, I'm more than sure that all the goalkeepers that you coach appreciate that. Oh yeah. Thank you. Miguel, I, I very much appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to come on the podcast and, and speak with me today. Yeah. I mean, it's been a pleasure. This is really fun. Thank you for having me, Carter. You're welcome guys. This has been yet another episode of just for keeps the podcast, all about goalkeepers. Thank you very much again to Miguel. I have been your host, Carter Hawkman. We will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Just for Keeps, 